0: And in Pakistan today, where the American presence in Afghanistan and the American military presence in Pakistan aimed at Afghanistan has created a level... I was just there a couple weeks ago, and the level of anti-Americanism in Pakistan and the the region in general is just uh, off the charts. Uh, Because it's seen as an alien intrusion, it's because it's seen as uh, a a foreign power trying to prop up uh, local politics, And in a sense, it's been seen that way for some time. Uh, When Pakistan was founded in 1948, when it was created as a section of the Indian subcontinent by the British when they were leaving India as a place for Muslims to have their own state, ironically, Jinnah, the leader of the Muslims, who was a secularist, he liked his whiskey, he liked to smoke cigarettes and wore a suit, he saw this as being a secular country to be secure for the Muslims. Of course, now, increasingly, the Pakistan governments have used... Islam as an ideology to support uh, their government, but Maulana Madudi, a Pakistan a, a Muslim thinker within the subcontinent, eventually became a part of Pakistan. But he didn't like the idea at the outset. The uh, very idea of a nation-state was a foreign intrusion, and there should be a different kind of politics uh, in the Islamic world. Um, eventually, as I said, he became part of Pakistan, created the Jamaat, e islami the largest Islamic party in in Pakistan. But at the same time, in, a, in Egypt, Syed Qutb, Hassan al-Banna was creating the Muslim Brotherhood. Syed Qutb then began writing about how Western politics, the kind that supported people like Sadat, was a foreign intrusion. Um, Sadat, uh, uh, um, Syed Qutb was put in jail and executed, as were others who thought like this, like uh, uh, Kafaraj, like who abdicated jihad as a neglected duty to Purge the region, make it free of, of Western forces. It was this idea then that became part of the Palestinian movement. We forget that the Palestinian movement became religionized only fairly recently, that the Palestinian movement was largely a secular affair led by Fatah and by Yasser Arafat uh, until the first Intifada, 1989, 1990 when through frustration with the inability of a secular movement like Arafat's, sheikhs began to band together in Gaza, uh, especially, and also the West Bank to create a different kind of force, one where the frustration of secularism led to conviction that only through religion could there be a different kind of politics. I was fortunate to be able to interview Sheikh Yassin uh, in early 1990s when he was briefly out of house arrest. He told me at that time that he was convinced that Palestine would not be truly free until it was an Islamic state. And so it was a different vision of a Palestinian um, nationalism that was born out of frustration and with the corruption of the secular forces, with how new this idea of religious politics is. The media often say, oh, they're going back to old traditional forms, old traditional hatred between Muslims and Jews and Muslims and Hindus. No, these are fairly recent things. I mean, the fighting between sectarian interest in Iraq, for example, never existed in Iraq in that region before. This is really a very new thing, where religious politics has come into the fore, in part because of the corruption of secular politics, the inability of secular politics to contain as a moral basis the different factions, the different groups within some sort of coherent uh, national identity. And this was certainly true in the case of the rise of Hamas within the Palestinian movement. And we forget that on the Jewish side, there had already been uh, in Israel a movement of religious activism in Israel. Uh, The original Zionist vision in Israel was not a religious one. The first flag for Israel had the seven stars of the seven hours of a working class day. Not the eight hours, which I've established here, I discovered in Melbourne, uh, many years ago. But in Israel, there were going to be seven hours for a working class day. But then after the 67 war, a lot of the pious Jews who believed in Zionism, believed in the coming of the Messiah, thought that all the stars were aligned in a different direction, that Israel was not just a political entity. it had the possibility A fulfilling biblical prophecy. And people like Mayor Kahane thought, you know, there could be a biblical state of Israel, primarily on the West Bank, because that's biblical territory. And the rebuilding of the temple, you have to get rid of that dome of the rock. It simply happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And those Arabs, you know... Marikhani told me that you know, he really didn't hate Arabs. Uh, he said they're nice people. He said they just happen to be the wrong place. And he said they simply have to go. He said go. Because, he said, there are momentous things in history about to happen. The temple is about to be rebuilt. Israel is going to be reclaimed on biblical lands. And do you know what this means? He said this means that we're creating the conditions for the coming of the Messiah. And if you're a Jew who believes that this is the most important moment in human history, who wouldn't do whatever they had to do to make such a thing possible? So no question in my mind that the settlers on the West Bank, the Jewish settlers who have come there not just because it's cheap housing, but be there, they're staking a claim for ideological religious reasons, believe that this is the most important thing in history, and they won't move an inch unless they're forced to, because they are engaged in a mission greater than human politics. So they simply have to go. In another sense, the Jews just had to go, which is the conviction of, uh, of uh, Nasrullah and the Shiite Nasrullah in Lebanon, which created its own counter politics. So the region of the Middle East is a kind of religious politics, creating religious politics, creating religious politics, in a, in a kind of spiraling cascade of alternatives to what is perceived to be the failed mission of the secular state. And this latest movement within religious activism, what to make of that? After 9-11, when I went back to Gaza uh, to talk with people in Hamas, some of them would say, This Osama bin Laden, what, what does he want? What's his program? To them it made no sense. They had a mission. They wanted to create a Palestinian state. But bin Laden, I mean, he has no army, he had no plans for a state, he has no vision. He just has this great imagined idea of war. Jihad is just this imagined, imagine war. And to attack the World Trade Center was to create a colossal image of warfare, but an imagined one. There's not going to be any boats ending up in Connecticut or New Jersey, and then suddenly, you know, Muslims would start taking over the cities of the United States. That was not in the... It was not on the cards. It was simply an imagined image of an imagined war. And it puzzled Muslims throughout the world, as well as puzzled many people in the United States. I, myself, having interviewed people like Abu Lima, who were connected with the movement, knew that it was an imagined war, that it was a small band of people who, at the margins, the fringes of Muslim society, and they were fortunate from their point of view, to have created such a catastrophic image of warfare. But I knew that the Muslim world was smart enough not to bite the bait. I knew that their intention to try to draw the Muslim world into this warfare wouldn't work because most Muslims didn't think that this was really a great war between good and evil and between the West and the Muslim world. At least the Muslim world didn't see that. I didn't realize is the way in which many people in the United States would see it. But not the first day.